What happens to the victims of a crime once law enforcement is gone? When a crime happens in our jurisdiction, deputies from the Collier County Sheriff's Office quickly respond. Deputies secure the scene, protect the innocent, and arrest the suspect. They ensure victims are safe, but then deputies must move on to the next call. Victims of a crime can be scared, confused, and unsure of what to do next. But Sheriff Kevin Rambosk is committed to helping them through this trauma. That's where CCSO's victim advocates step in. The sole purpose of our victim advocates is to respond with compassion and expertise to victims' needs. That includes connecting victims to resources, from counseling to legal services, and sometimes just listening. CCSO also has advocates focused solely on helping senior citizens. These victim advocates are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And in the unfortunate event of a death, they are the ones who must deliver the news to loved ones. Today, I sit down with two victim advocates as they explain their roles and how CCSO helps vulnerable victims get back on their feet. This is Sworn Statement, a podcast by the Collier County Sheriff's Office under the direction of Sheriff Kevin Rambosk. I'm your host, Adam Fisher. Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Sworn Statement podcast. As we said in the introduction, we're talking about our victim and senior advocacy section. That's a mouthful, but I'm here with two of our victim advocates. First off, it's Angela Larson, our victim services supervisor. Angela, how are you? I'm great. Good morning. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. And then also Jackie Borchers, a victim advocate who also specializes in senior advocacy. Jackie, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Excellent. So first off, just give me a a breakdown in your words. I know you guys have both been doing this role for a long time. You have a great understanding of it. Angela, I'll start with you. Just in a nutshell, explain to me what our victim advocate program is and what, what you guys do. All right. So the Victim and Senior Advocacy Unit does just as the name uh, indicates. We support victims of crimes as well as seniors within our community that may have fallen victim to a crime as well. Or sometimes they, with seniors, it's just because the caregivers and family may need some additional resources and support, and we also can provide them with that information as well. Now, when you say you support victims, that kind of involves what? Connecting them with the resources they need. I know there's um, a court component to them. You help them, help them through the legal process. Is, is that correct? To some extent, yeah. So we will assist a victim. Sometimes we will respond to a scene at the request of a deputy or a detective. Um, if a victim is overwhelmed, just needs support, that kind of thing. And we follow that case through its judicial process. Um, we can explain to victims that what a no contact order versus an injunction for protection, we can accompany them to court. We don't, we're not attorneys, so we don't speak on their behalf, but we're the, the emotional support. Right. Um, we can explain to them what's happening, you know, how to, you know, articulate things and, and be heard. I think as uh, Jackie and I were discussing this morning, I think one of our biggest goals is really to take them from victim and help them get to survivor. Right. That's great. 
Where, how does that relationship start? You had mentioned sometimes you were called to scene. I imagine mm-hmm. that's for maybe some more of the sensitive crimes. But how do you connect with them otherwise? Uh, I think you had mentioned to me before that you guys actually review um, incident reports and find potential victims, right? Are you guys doing the proactive reaching out to these victims? Absolutely. So every day, every report written in Collier County is reviewed by our unit. And we make sure that if we did not respond to the scene, because it's not always necessary for us to go to the scene, but we want that person that's been a victim of, say, maybe domestic violence, we will reach out to them and make sure that they are aware of other organizations within the community that might benefit them, again, about the judicial process, what they're going to go through. If there's if they want to file for an injunction for protection or about the no contact order, if they're a victim of a crime, they may qualify for something called crimes compensation. So we can assist them with that. But if we hadn't been to the scene, you know, how do we know about them? And the only way to really do that is for everybody to email us every day or us to review the the offense incident reports. And when we review them, they are looking for victims of violent crimes. Uh, repeat victims uh, of crime, and also uh, for people over the age of 65 that have been victimized. Again, uh, as you mentioned, Jackie is specializes in senior advocacy, and so she will get those to assist them, whether it's even just for a fraud, maybe a lost wallet, or even where the officers had contact with them regarding a person that they're caring for with a dementia. So then Jackie can reach out to them and provide them with community resources and support and information as well. Yeah, Jackie, if you don't mind, tell us about that. How is your job a little bit different? Because you're dealing solely with seniors, right? Yes. Well, seniors are an extremely vulnerable vulnerable entity, obviously. Um, A lot of my seniors that are calling, they, they may be a victim, but they may also be a possible victim in the future. So I have... Lots, not just caregivers, but you've got family members that call in regards to the senior side, possibly a dementia, or they've fallen victim to a natural scam. Mm. They they don't know what to do. They get very overwhelmed. I have to listen. Listening is key in regards to my cases, trying to find out how to direct them, how to guide them, how to give them resources that are going to actually help them. It's really important to support them. Because if you don't support the seniors at their time, because this is a crisis to them, if they are a victim of a simple fraud, that impacts their whole world from that point on. It is not just where they can deal with that and then they move on. This will literally snowball at times because they stress out. Well, if they stress out, they it may end up getting a little more forgetful. You know, they won't reach out to family because they don't want to have them worry about them. So, you know, that's sometimes when we have to reach out to family to try and get them the help that they need. And this um, area you mentioned uh, th- that seniors are, are vulnerable. We have a lot of seniors in this area, yes, you know, a higher do. percentage of senior citizens. So I have to imagine that's a very... Um, you know, more important role in Collier County than it may be in other places, I would assume, or maybe a more busier role. Well, I think that, you know, there are many entities within our community that do provide services for seniors. Mm -hmm. We're very blessed that there are some great entities out there and we work very well with our community partners. I think that's important and it's very key. But you do have those, they just don't know where to go. 
and they don't know who to talk to. And unfortunately, we're usually the first ones that are involved with them because something happens and law enforcement are called to that home or a neighbor will call or a family member will call. So that starts this process that then what do I do? And that's where, again, listening to what the situation is and being empathetic, you got to have compassion when you're dealing with seniors, you got to take care of them. Because if you don't take care of them, they're, that's just not right. Yeah. Now, how long have you guys been doing this? You guys are both kind of seasoned veterans, I understand, right? Angel, how long have you, have you been a victim advocate? I started uh, as a victim advocate about 26 years ago. Um, we have an on-call team, so we are available. We have somebody available 24-7. So I started on that team. I worked elsewhere within the agency joined the on-call team, received training, and then later on transferred over to become a full-time uh, member of the victim advocate section. So, Yeah, how about you, Jackie? How long have you been doing this? Um, I've been with the agency for 23 years. I was started in HR. And then in the, in the senior side, I've been doing it for around 19 years now. What made you guys want to do this particular role? Because it takes a, a very particular person with a particular skill set Angela, you had told me before we started recording that you feel you are at where you're supposed to be, at least here in the agency and in life and the job you do. Why is that? What what do you love about this job? What keeps you going? It's not an easy job. Right. It's a lot of high pressure at times. Um, You have people at a worst time of their life. Mm. I often walk away thinking, wow, you know, I, I don't know that I really helped him all that much, but then occasionally you hear back from him and that's always re, like reaffirming that we are doing, making a difference. Yeah. I had a lady call me one time and she was asking about something else and we were talking. She's like, I remember you. And she said, you were there um, when my child, my baby died mm. and you helped my other four children. She's like, I cannot thank you enough. Wow. And when I walked away from that scene that day, I left again feeling like, wow, I don't know if I did enough. But having that come back later just reaffirmed for me. And so we're seeing people at the worst possible time of their life, going through the worst imaginable things that we don't want anybody to have to go through. And if they have to go through it, to have someone that can explain the process that can listen, as Jackie said, which is really key, be compassionate, non-judgmental, and just be there for them. That is just the, the satisfaction that we have to get from that job. So every case that you work, you learn something, everything. They're all different. They all have um, different levels of stress, different levels of emotional, and you learn from every one of them. And I think that makes us stronger. One of the things we, we get from doing these different types of calls and things, we, we build a toolbox mm-hmm. of resources mm-hmm. and ways to handle different situations. And so I think the variety of cases and things is what she's kind of speaking to is that, you know, once we've dealt with a certain scenario, you know, and we found what works, then we have that and, and we can pull on that. You talk about learning, and you had mentioned training just a few minutes ago. Tell me about that. I'm curious about that. How do you learn this? Because 
like you said, you're not lawyers, but you have to know a bit about the court side. You're not counselors, but you have to be a counselor to these people. You have to learn how to deal with people in addition to all the uh, other resources you need to know. What kind of training do you get just with dealing with people and helping people? I think that that skill set or that is like intuitive too. Yeah. So um, it, it does take somebody... Not everybody's meant for every position, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have the, I, I tell people they don't have to have the skills. They have to have the compassion mm-hmm. and the skills you can learn. And we have training through the state of Florida. We obtain a designation. It's a, it's a training 40 hours. And then we have to update and renew that every three years, which includes going back for a certain number of hours. Our agency the members of our victim services section all have a national designation as well. Wow. So we've taken the training that we've gone through and submitted it to Nova and they've, um, bestowed upon us this national designation. And so we're very proud of that. Our, our unit is a very seasoned unit as well. In addition to Jackie and I, in the years there, we all have that number of years experience. I, do a lot around uh, the state and we have some of the most seasoned advocates. So um, their experience is, is paramount to what we're able to do. And in order, it's a lot of it is on the job training as yeah. well. So um, where we go to the designation class and they will talk about legal um, aspects of victim advocacy you, we have to go and sit in on injunction for protections and bond hearings and things like that so that we understand the process so that when a victim is confronted with that or needing to attend that or wanting to attend that, we can tell them what to expect. Mm-hmm. Same with, um, as far as the counseling, we don't do counseling. I right. mean, we are not counselors. We don't ever profess that. It's just the listening skills and the mm-hmm. compassion. And then what we do is we also connect them with our community partners that are so invaluable that have experience in specialized areas, whether it's the rape crisis centers or the domestic violence shelter, things like that, that can help them long term. Because usually once a court case is over, our victims, unless they're a victim again, you know, our interaction with them can be concluded but their needs don't end. So we always try to partner them with another entity, long-term support, things like that. That's great. That's just that compassion you were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, being proactive in helping someone out who needs it. Something else you guys mentioned that we haven't touched on, the death notifications. You guys handle that. Yes. Tell me how that works, like how you do that, and then just what that's like. So I got to imagine that takes some practice. I mean, that would be tough for anyone to do. But so start with, you know, how that works. How do you notify someone of a death? Well, with extreme difficulty. I don't think any one of them is easy to do. You're literally going in and you're going to affect that person and their family for the rest of their life. So obviously going to the scene with an investigator or a deputy um, because we are not usually we are not by ourselves when we respond we are usually the ones that will speak introducing ourselves of course and then at that point we have to be unfortunately a little bit direct because when you have somebody that is in crisis um, or is about to go on this emotional roller coaster 
we have to tell them that their loved one has died. Mm -hmm. There is no other way around it. And some people think that that might be callous, but you have to recognize the situation. They do not hear you. The emotional side takes over and they don't hear you. So oh, you mean that you just have to be direct. You yes. have to say those words. You can't say passed away is no, no longer because with Because that then will, they have questions. Right. And so if you say, oh, they've moved on. Yeah. Well, where have they moved on to? <laughs> Uh, where have they gone? I don't understand. So it, it opens up a whole chain of conversation that you do not want to go down. You want to tell them immediately what has happened. You don't want to have that pause. You want to tell them and explain to them after the initial shock has you know, worn off why it happened. Mm. And we cannot tell them every detail because if there's an ongoing investigation, there's some privacy there. There's things that we cannot tell them, but we can tell them as much as the investigator will let us and we'll explain it to them. And we are there for them. We listen, we hold their hand. At times we will hug them. We will be there for them. Let me give you an example. Um, per, it's a personal story of, of mine. Um, I got a phone call one morning, two o'clock in the morning, to tell me that my brother was in an accident. Mm. And I they were talking about he was on his way to he was on his way to work and blah, 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 mentioned his wife. And I'm like, okay, so were they both in the accident? I mean, and so I'm like, okay, wait a minute, Mike was in an accident. I'm like, well, where is he now? And there was a long pause. Mm. And she's like, no, he died. Wow. So perfect example of what not right. to do. Um, and to Jackie's point that, you know, if you don't get to the point pretty quick, all the other stuff, just you start asking yourself questions and thinking of things to ask and you're not hearing what they're saying. Mm. Um, so in our training, it is, you know, you tell them and then you answer the questions. We've had people say, wow, that was kind of brutal. It's like, there's a reason. And yeah. it, of course it's brutal, you know, and I'll be honest. I've one time I, I went to, after, you know, um, doing a notification, we go about our days, you know, um, and like Jackie said, we've just told somebody the worst possible news. I went back and I was with my family and we were in a very public place and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, wow, these people don't realize I just gave yeah. somebody the worst news of their life. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's interesting how it kind of affects us too. Well, that's leads me into my next question. Cause not only that, but then even if there isn't a death, you're responding to some very sensitive situations. Victims of any crime is bad, but you mentioned domestic violence. I'm sure you deal with some sexual assault victims. Mm -hmm. You guys personally, I know you do it for the community to help people that need the help, but you personally, how do you guys internalize that? How do you deal with that? How do you work through it? Because that's a tough job to do 40 hours a week, more than 40 hours a week, I'm sure. Yeah, we, we are blessed with our unit being very supportive of one another, one. Two, in Collier County Sheriff's Office, we also have peer support. So if we need to reach out to somebody else. But I personally find that my team that I work with, they're my sounding board. They're my support. We've been together for so long. We're like family. Mm -hmm. So we could literally walk in the office and know just by the way that we look, we stand, where we can tell how something has affected us. The difference for me is I have an agency member that's my husband mm -hmm. who is 
a deputy. So when I go home, I'm very fortunate that there are things that I can talk to him and he can talk to me and we decompress together. Mm -hmm. I've got that extra level. So I'm very blessed that way because it does help me work through some of those difficult moments. It, it just, again, it depends on what we respond to, but there are some that do affect you emotionally differently. Mm-hmm. To me, the holidays are the hardest ones for me. You know, Thanksgiving was one of mine. Uh, I had a family and I was at the hospital and it was so emotionally, it, it just was so difficult. Mm-hmm. And then when I did what I needed to do and I went home, I was at a family Thanksgiving Hmm. and I had to try and turn that off and be jovial because it's a holiday. Wow. And so again, you can compartmentalize as much as you can, but sometimes you can and it overflows. And when it overflows, having the people in your world that you can rely on to deal with the overflow, I think is imperative. And I think that's what keeps us as a unit together as long as we have, because we do it so well with each other and we're there and we know who to go to in the agency if we need more. And I think that right there is why we are as effective as we are. Right. I'd agree. It just tells you how tough of a job it is, but that it's worth doing. So I want to ask you guys as we close, just why is what you do so important um, to the county, to the people of Collier County, uh, to the area? Just why do we have this position and, and why is it going to keep going? Because it is so important. When we are interacting with a victim that through no choice of theirs, that they have been a victim of a, of a crime, they need the support. They need to understand they are not alone that there are other entities out there, other organizations, our community partners that can help them so that they can, again, make that transition from victim to survivor and build a resiliency. Resiliency is important because either you're going to crash and turn to negative things to cope, or you can turn to the positive things and be better You're never going to be the same before the victimization, but you can survive and you can be resilient and you, something can come of it. We can't leave anybody out there floundering. For me personally, I think that I want to help people and I think you have to be wanting to do that, but I think impact, I impact someone every single day. I impact people through the phone. I impact deputies when we talk to them. And I impact people one-on-one or in a group. So whatever situation we've been called to, we can help. We just want to be there to help people move along and help them through that very important time in their life that may only be an instant, but it's going to remain with them for their entire lives. Why the unit is so important is to help victims become survivors and be resilient, but also to 
reduce the likelihood of victimization again. Um, Jackie's area with the senior advocacy, you know, when she reaches out to them to educate them on the scams or the fraud or identity theft, it has the potential of saving them from, you know, losing more money. So it's very important, both the victim advocacy side as well as our senior advocacy side. It is, and you guys are doing great work. The, the sheriff's office is doing great work. I think the people of Collier County are lucky to have people like you helping them out. So thank you so much for coming in here and, and sharing this information with us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again to Angela Larson and Jackie Borchers from our Victims and Senior Advocacy section for joining me. If you'd like more information on our victim advocates, visit our website at www.callyoursheriff.com. This has been Sworn Statement, a podcast by the Collier County Sheriff's Office under the direction of Sheriff Kevin Rambosk. This episode was edited and produced by me, your host, Adam Fisher, with audio recording by Brian Barcello. Thank you for listening.